We just sang this incredible song. Uh, it's becoming one of my favorite about speaking the name of Jesus because he has been given, according to the word of God, all authority in heaven and in the earth. And even though this is a very familiar passage that we're looking at, Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 23, uh, and it's part of the story of the birth of this one we call Jesus, it is in this passage that we find the answer to that question, who really is Jesus? Now, you might be surprised to uh, know that there are many still on the face of the earth who haven't even, haven't even heard his name. Uh, and so they, they have no idea what we're talking about when we mention the name of Jesus. Uh, there are also many uh, uh, that have heard the name, but they still believe it's a myth. They don't even believe he actually existed. And uh, then there are those also that believe, well, yeah, we know Jesus existed and we believe that, that he was a great man. In fact, uh, a noted historian, H.G. Uh, Wells, made up a list of the 10 greatest men who had ever been on the earth. And he put Jesus at the very top of that list. Uh, but he added to that Charlemagne the Great and Peter the Great and Alexander the Great and so on. And he just kind of looked at it as though it's Jesus the Great. Well, I, I kind of like what uh, W.A. Criswell, who was former pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, said on one occasion, when you try to compare Jesus with any other person on the face of the earth, it's kind of like comparing a grain of sand to the universe. Because he's not just Jesus the Great. He is the one and only one. His greatness is exceedingly abundantly above all the other greatnesses combined together when it comes to who he is. But there are those who think, oh, he was just a great man. There are others who believe that he was just uh, a great teacher. And certainly he was. The scripture does tell us that uh, when he spoke, when he taught, he taught with an authority. He had an anointing that was astounding. They were stunned. Mesorak, just because of the, the power and authority in which he spoke, which doesn't surprise us because he is the truth. And the Lord Jesus Christ has perfect knowledge of all things at all times. And so whatever he speaks is absolute total truth in everything he does. But he was, we know that also that he, he was greater than just a great teacher. Then there are those who think that uh, and believe that Jesus was simply a prophet of God. And we have a problem with that. And the reason is because as you will see, and we'll get into that scripture in just a moment, you'll see that Jesus claimed to be God. And so if he claimed to be God, we can't really deal with this reality or this statement saying that Jesus was uh, just a great prophet of God because he claimed to be God himself. And because of that, that leaves us with only three options. Because think about it this way, if he was a human just like we are and he thought he was God, then we have to label him as a lunatic. If he, being a human just like we are, and knew he was not God, but wanted to try to convince everybody he was God, then we'd have to label him as a liar. So we really only have three options. Either he was a lunatic, he was a liar, or he was exactly who he said he was, which is the Lord God 
Almighty. And we see this in this passage of Scripture. So let's, let me read it and just we'll go from there over what the Lord has laid on my heart to share with you uh, this morning. So beginning in verse 20, Christmas story. But when he had thought this over, we're talking about Joseph. Joseph had learned that Mary is with child and he's trying to figure out what do I do, you know, with, with this situation. And he's trying to maybe put her away secretly or privately. But then it says this, but when he had thought this over, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you shall name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place, the angel is still talking. Now all this took place so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they shall name him Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. That's your answer. Who is this Jesus? Jesus is God in human flesh. That's who he is. Well, that presents us with a challenge because we now have to deal with the reality of an incredible truth. We speak of it often, but we don't teach of it often because it's, it's pretty deep. And uh, people have written volumes and volumes and volumes about it. But it's an incredible truth. It's very distinctive to the Christian faith. And that is the truth of the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I want you to look with me just for a moment here in the book of Exodus. I want to kind of lay a foundation uh, for the rest of what we're going to share in Exodus chapter uh, 3 and in verse 14. You may recall the situation this verse is found in. God has called Moses to lead his people out of Egyptian bondage. And so Moses has thrown out a number of excuses as to why he should not be the one chosen. And after he had run out of excuses and realized that this was what he was called to do, he then asked God, whom shall I say has sent me? When I go to these people, I need to tell them who you are. And so here's God's response in Exodus chapter 3 and in verse 14. It says, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, this is what you shall say to the sons of Israel. I am has sent me to you. This is the most sacred name of God in scripture. It's in Hebrew, it's Yahweh. In English, we like to use the word Jehovah. You heard Jehovah God, Yahweh God. It's talking about our eternal God and Father who is in heaven. And this is the first time that name is used, I am, and it was chosen by God himself. So keep that in mind. God says, I am. So that's God the Father. So turn with me now to the Gospel of John. We're going to go back and forth between Old and New Testament this morning. But in John chapter 8 and uh, in verses 56 
uh, through 58. Jesus is now in a discussion, you know, with the scribes and the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders of Israel. They're trying to trap him. They are jealous of him. Uh, they want to put an end to him. And so they're trying to trap him. And so it says that in the discussion that Jesus said this to them, said, your father Abraham was overjoyed that he would see my day. And he saw it and rejoiced. Now, he made reference to knowing Abraham personally here. And they're thinking, wait a minute. Abraham was, you know, hundreds of years before Moses, before the law. And, and here you are in this day and time. You're telling us you have met Abraham. So here's what it says. So the Jews said to him, you're, you're not 50 years old and you have seen Abraham? <laughs> in other words, are you kidding us? that you have seen and you've taught with Abraham. And so Jesus said to them, now watch this, I want you to catch it. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. What was he saying? I'm Yahweh. I'm Jehovah. I, I'm the same God that addressed Moses there at the burning bush. And so you have God the Father. Now you have the Son claiming to be equal. Obviously, I am Yahweh. I am, I am. And so now we have God the Son. So Jesus is not only the Son of God, but he's God the Son. God the Father, God the Son. And then we'll look at this in Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. And look with me in verses 3 and 4. Here's a situation where uh, a couple, Ananias and Sapphira, had sold their land to be able to help with, with the early church. They were poor, so everybody just kind of pooled everything together, led by the apostles, and so everybody's needs were met. Well, Ananias and Sapphira sold their land, but they only gave half of it, but said they had given it all. In other words, they were lying. So here's what Peter says. He says, Peter said to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain, uh, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have, that, that in your heart, why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, watch this, but you've lied to God. He said, you've lied to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is God. So you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, what do we do with this? This Holy Trinity. Well, let me just mention three things to you. First of all, let's just consider the mystery, the mystery of the Trinity. I wanna begin by just making a reference to something the Apostle Paul uh, wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. He begins by saying this, beyond question, great is the mystery of godliness. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, then he goes on and you begin to realize he's talking about Jesus coming in human flesh. He says, he who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated by the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed in the world, taking up 
and to glory, which is where Christ is today, seated at the right hand of the Father. So Paul tells us this is a mystery. What does he mean by that? Well, it means that in our humanness, with our finite minds, we cannot clearly and concisely understand the reality of this truth. That God is one in three and three in one. We have one true living God. But this one true living God who's the only God, there are no other gods, is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He says, how do you wrap your minds around it? How can a finite mind understand what is infinite? God is infinite. We cannot even comprehend. Obviously, we can't really comprehend eternity. We can talk about eternity, but we can't understand it because eternity has no beginning and it has no end. Everything we deal with in this life has a beginning and has an end. And so in our finite minds, we can't understand the infinite. We cannot understand eternity. What does eternal present mean? I don't know, but it's taught clearly in the word of God. So when we talk about this incredible truth, this very distinctive to the Christian faith, very important to our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to accept that first of all, it's beyond logic. Are you with me? Say amen. It's beyond logic. It's beyond philosophy. It's beyond science. It's beyond mathematics. It's beyond us. God himself. You know, we, we try to take God and put it in our little backpack of intellect. And say, well, this is how I think God is. Well, uh, let me just ask you this question. I want to share these two questions with you out of Isaiah. I want you to listen to this here. Isaiah chapter 40, uh, as we look at it, and in verse 18. Isaiah chapter 40 and in verse 18. And, it, and, and, and prophet Isaiah asked two questions. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare with him? It's only one God. So what you're going to use to compare something with him so you can understand him. <laughs> yeah. we, we can deal with the small matters, kind of like the young lady, uh, young teenage girl had a boyfriend. And on one occasion, she decided to go out with another guy. Well, then she confessed to her boyfriend that she had gone out with this other guy. She says, and he kissed me. And her boyfriend said, well, I'll teach him something. She looked and said, you can't teach him anything. That went right on through you, didn't it? <laughs> Some of you got it. <laughs> you can compare one kiss to another kiss, but there's nothing to compare God with anything else in the universe because he's the creator of all that is. So how are you going to make that comparison, it's beyond logic, it's beyond philosophy, it's beyond uh, science, it's beyond mathematics, you can take whatever you want. Now, we do have, listen, there are reflections of it all around us. For instance, time. Time has three distinguishable parts, past, present, and future. You can't have a past until you... If you don't have a present, you can't have a present. If you don't have a future, you can't have a future if you had not had a past. So they're, they're distinguishable, but they're inseparable. 
or you can take like a beam of light, a single beam of light. It is one light, but it's made up of three different rays of light. One ray is the light you see. Another ray is a light that you can't, it is a ray that you can't see, but you can feel it because it's the heat that you feel when life is concentrated down. Then the third ray is you can't see it or feel it. Well, God the Father, you can't see or feel. God the Holy Spirit, you can't see, but you can feel him. He's the source of that unspeakable joy of the Lord. He's the source of that peace that passes all understanding. He's the source of that love of God, that unconditional love of God that flows through uh, the heart of a true follower of Christ. He's the sort of, uh, source of conviction, you know, when we need to repent, when we need to make a change. That's the Holy Spirit. You can't see him, but you can feel him. And of course, Jesus, God in human flesh, could be seen. Now, those are just illustrations that do not even come close. At least gives us a little light to try to comprehend the reality that God is one, one in three, three in one. The mystery of the Holy Trinity. Well, let's look at the second thing. Let's look at the manifestation. I want to get I want to get a little bit deeper here, and just stay with me as we go uh, through this together. Because there are some who will say, "Well, you know, this Trinity stuff. This is all New Testament stuff." Oh, I beg to differ. In fact, let's just start at the beginning. Let's just open up the front door. How about Genesis chapter one? Verse 1. Would you turn there with me? Genesis chapter 1 and in verse 1 uh, speaks and begins to reveal to us the reality of a one in three God this way. Here's what it says in Genesis 1 1. says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the name for God here is Elohim. The Hebrew word is Elohim. The singular is El, but when you add the uh, uh, suffix to it, it becomes plural. So he uses the plural form of God in this verse. In the beginning, Elohim, plural form of God, created the heavens and the earth. It's kind of like in scripture, it, takes, it speaks of two different kinds of angels. There's the seraph angels and the cherub angels. Now seraph is singular, seraphim is plural. Cherub is single, cherubim is plural, El is single, Elohim is plural, meaning more than one. But what is fascinating about this verse is it uses the plural form of Elohim with the singular form of the verb. One God, Elohim, plural, created the heavens and the earth. Well, let's go back to New Testament. Let's go back to John chapter 1, Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It's a reference to Christ, the Son of God, God the Son. John calls him the Word. So listen to what it says in the first three verses here. When we're thinking about Elohim, singular verb, plural name, in the beginning was the Word. That's talking about Christ. And the word was with God, and the word was God, talking about Jesus. 
He was in the beginning with God. Watch this. All things came into being through him. Through who? Through Jesus. All things came into being through him and apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. That's why I say from time to time at Christmas, it's the celebration of Christ being born into the very world in which he created. So it wasn't just God the Father. It was also God the Son. So look with me in Deuteronomy for just a moment. This is one of those times, I know this is all on the screen, but I wish it wasn't. So you'd have to use your Bibles. So for those who are using it, praise the Lord. <laughs> now, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And notice, this is in the passage that is incredibly sacred to the Jews. It's called the Shema. That's how I pronounce it. Others pronounce it a little bit differently, but I've always heard it called the Shema. Very, very sacred part of God's word uh, for the children of Israel. And here's what it says in verse 4. It says, Hear, Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. There we go. We got it. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Now, let's go back and look at this. It says here, Israel, the Lord is our God. The word for Lord here is Yahweh, I am. The same word used in Exodus 3.14 when Moses says, who are you? Who do I tell them you are? And he says, I am Yahweh, Jehovah. He's saying Yahweh, Jehovah is God, Elohim. Plural. Jehovah is our Elohim. The Lord Jehovah is one. Now, this word that is used here in Hebrew for one means a plural one. Let me give you an example. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, same word is used. Here's what it says. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to, to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Plural one. So are we talking about two or are we talking about one? Well, the answer is yes. We're talking about both. Two people, man and his wife, who are one. Plural one. Same word that is used. So back in Deuteronomy, when he says, the Lord Yahweh is our Elohim, plural, one God. The Lord is one. Again, in the Old Testament, it's revealing to us the reality that our one true living God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Look with me in a Christmas passage, will you? Isaiah, just uh, again, just to uh, drive home this incredible truth. And again, I, I realize I, because 
I'll be honest with you, I can't wrap my mind around it. I, I can't say I understand it. I see reflections of it. I can give some illustrations that have fall way too short, but at least gives me an idea about it. But it's beyond me. I receive it because it's truth from God's infallible, inerrant word inspired to us. So here's what it says. Here's Christmas passage. Isaiah 9, 6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. And his name, watch this, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. We get that. Oh, but Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of, what do you mean Eternal Father? Because they're one. How many times does Jesus say in his teaching, the Father and I are one. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. What's he trying to teach? We're one. Distinguishable, but one. <laughs> Wonderful counselor, eternal Father, Prince of Peace. But look at this, this other one, mighty God. I mean, even Isaiah recognized that the one who would be born into the world he created, the Lord Jesus Christ, was mighty God. But that phrase, mighty God, is kind of interesting. It's, it's the Hebrew El Gibor, and it means God-man. The God-man. And that's exactly who Jesus was. 100% man, 100% God. The God-man. And then just notice with me as well in Matthew chapter 28 and in verse 19. Jesus makes this reference. And you hear me use these words every time someone comes to know Christ and they follow that in baptism and we share it here or we share it in the early service and I use these very words. Scripture says in verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This is Jesus talking. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, there's the mystery. It's beyond us. But there is the manifestation of it in Scripture. And I'm just scratching the surface. We would be here all afternoon for me to even come close to delving deeper into this and clarifying it even more for you. But there's the mystery, there's the manifestation. Let me close with this. The ministry of the Trinity. Go back to Matthew chapter one. Where we started. Let me read that passage one more time. And then we will close with that. But when Joseph had thought this over, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Underline that. She will give birth to a son. You can underline that. God the Holy Spirit, God the Son. And you shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place so that what was spoken by the Lord 
God the Father, through the prophet, and then quoted prophecy. Here's what I want you to understand. Our salvation involves all three of this one and three, this one true living God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. See, it is the Father that selected you out of love. He loved you before you were even conceived in the womb. He loved, what does the scripture say? You know it, John 3, 16, he shall love who? The world. You are the world. And he selected that after Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, which he knew was going to happen, and that's a whole different study for another different day, but he selected to bring to you the opportunity of eternal life. Whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It all started with God the Father. So we're selected by God the Father, but we are saved by God the Son. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he, God the Father, made him, God the Son, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, where? On the cross of Calvary, so that through him, he can make us righteous in God. Wow. So we are selected by the Father, saved by the Son, sealed, listen to me, sealed by God the Holy Spirit. I want you to listen to these words, incredible words out of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter one and verses 13 and 14. It says, in him, talking about Jesus, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed. In other words, you heard the gospel and you discovered who he was, what he has done for you, and you chose to receive him as your personal Lord and Savior for forgiveness of sin and the gift of eternal life. Having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Sealed by God, not sealed by man, sealed by God, sealed by God the Father, God the Son, through the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the first installment for our inheritance in regard to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. In other words, as, as you have heard me say on many occasions, when you accept Christ, you get three gifts, just like that. The gift of eternal forgiveness, of the guilt of all your sin, past, present, and future. You receive the gift of eternal life. It means when this life comes to an end, you will forever and ever and ever, which we cannot comprehend, live eternally with our God and Father and the Holy Spirit. And so we receive the gift of forgiveness, receive the gift of eternal life, and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit of God who literally comes to indwell us and it's his proof. It is his, for those who are in real estate and different things like that, this is the down payment, but it's a guarantee that all that comes before that, the forgiveness and the gift of eternal life is yours. 
selected by God the Father, saved by God the Son, sealed by God the Holy Spirit. One God, one in three, three in one. Can't wrap our minds around it, but it's one of the greatest truths given to us in the Word of God, and it's the key to our salvation. And I could add this, but I'm out of time. Not only our salvation, but our security as well. So, I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes, just in the spirit of prayer. And I'm gonna close this in prayer because I'm way beyond anyhow. But I just wanna, I just wanna pray over all of you as we close. Father God, how awesome you are. Lord Jesus, It's easy, I guess, in one sense for us to say you are the son of God. But you're much more than that. You are God's son. And spirit of the living God, how important you are. And how important it is that we don't grieve you. We don't quench you as you do your work in us and through us. But Lord, as we celebrate, Lord Jesus, your supernatural birth into this world, the creator becoming a created one in order to bring salvation to us. Help us to use this time to give thanks and praise to you that as the one true living God, you are God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much.